Another month has passed So even though no one asked We're about to explore it all on the Dan Chronicles Hello everybody once again and welcome to a new edition of the Dan Chronicles. This is September 2023 and it's a very special episode uh, and a special month in the history of this email newsletter podcast because it is the third anniversary of me doing this every month. And it's been, oh my God, it's been three years. I can't believe it's already been three years. Um, but next month, October, is the official three-year anniversary. I started this in October of 2020, kind of like in the middle of the pandemic, wanting a project to work on, wanting to connect with other people. And as a result, this newsletter was born and it has been absolutely fantastic. And it's been a really exciting ride. But I wanted to celebrate. I wanted to mark the occasion in a special way. And so behind the scenes, I've been working really hard and I'm excited to announce the launch of a special limited edition Dan Chronicles t-shirt. And if you haven't seen the design, check it out. Go to my newsletter, which is Dan Berg, uh, Dan with two N's. So D-A-N-N-B-E-R-G dot substack dot com and click into the September issue and you'll see a link to the uh, the t-shirt and it's really fun. It kind of looks like one of those thank you bags. It says thank you numerous times, but it says Chronicles, the Dan Chronicles, and it's just a cool shirt available in two colors. It's this really dark gray and also a dark navy with white lettering. And the best part about this whole t-shirt drive is that 100% of the proceeds are going to be donated to charity. And so they're going to be going to the entertainment entertainment community fund, which previously was known as the actors fund. And this means that it supports both writers and actors who have been out of work for many, many months due to the writer's strike. And hopefully these creative professionals can get better terms for the work that they're creating. Hopefully that happens soon. But in the meantime, I wanted to mark this anniversary as a way to support them and celebrate the newsletter by getting the community together and raising money for a good cause. So I really hope you will go on to my newsletter, onto my website, find a link, get yourself one of these t-shirts, and by doing so, you'll be helping support the entertainment industry, which if you listen to this, if you read my newsletter, you know that movies and TV shows are close to my heart. So I really hope you will go on and get yourself a t-shirt and donate to this really great cause, and I'll, I'll let you guys know how it went next month when we're talking about it then. Uh, but I think we're going to go into the stories now. When I first learned about the wire cutter, it kind of just clicked. It made sense for me. If you're not familiar, the wire cutter is a website. It's now owned by the New York Times, but originally it was more independent. I think it was part of the Gawker group, but don't quote me on that. Uh, but basically, they took a brand new approach to in-depth product reviews and that they approached a topic like... Uh, electric scooters or frying pans. And they had professionals who were way more of a professional than anybody could hope to be. These people that were just really nichely intelligent in these specific areas. And they had them put thousands of hours into testing. And at the end of the day, they would write this 
tens of thousands of word essays uh, and they would say this is the best product you can buy right now if you want an upgrade pick look at this if you want a budget pick you can look at this and then they wrote a really long essay kind of justifying their answer and at the time it was just revolutionary because all you really had then was like an Amazon listing and then a bunch of user reviews, which who knows if you could actually trust those and a bunch of other just kind of affiliate websites that didn't really give any recommendations. They might list the 10 best products, but like, I don't know, they're, they just wanted the affiliate links. So they were all good, you know, and the wire cutter stood apart in its deep research and the fact that it recommended a specific item. Uh, and then they just monetized it by affiliate income, which meant that the better the article was and the more time they spent into it, the more it's going to rank and the more people are going to click through and trust it. And it really just revolutionized the whole space. Uh, and when it first launched, it was fantastic. I would use it. I bought so many things off of Wirecutter's recommendation because a, they build up that reputation where you can just go on and get one of their items and just be good to go. But I sort of noticed over time that the website was kind of getting worse and worse in ways that I couldn't really tell were immeasurable, but it just wasn't the same place as it used to be when I first discovered it. And that's why I was really excited when I found this article in The Atlantic that explores exactly what happened to Wirecutter. Because it's not just me. A lot of people that knew uh, Wirecutter before kind of could tell that it wasn't as good as Wirecutter now. And I think the threshold, the, the point in time that a lot of people point to for the website getting worse was when it was acquired by The New York Times. And so what this article does is it explores what happened to the wire cutter in the style of a wire cutter article. And I just thought it was great. And I, I agree with a lot of it. I mean, I think the world has changed in terms of there's a lot of, in many ways, reviews have been commoditized because there are so many different websites that are doing this. And also products have become way more leveled in terms of there isn't necessarily a standout star as much as there are 15 good enough products. So there's a lot of things that changed. Uh, and also at the New York Times, the way that they paid writers and the way that they approached it have all changed. And I think this article just did a really good job of digging into that. If you check out my newsletter and follow the link there, it's a free gift article. So it's in the Atlantic, which is a paid service. But if you click the link through my newsletter, you can read the article for free. And I, I just thought it was really interesting, especially for anybody that used to be a follower of Wirecutter and still looks at it, but kind of wondered what happened. Longtime readers of the newsletter uh, and also listeners of this podcast will know that I'm fairly privacy focused, um, maybe even more than the average person. Uh, I actively look for paid alternatives to free services uh, because I want to support the alternative to like, you are the customer because they're serving you ads to, okay, this is a service that I want and I pay for it. Uh, two of the really big categories where I do that is email. So I use ProtonMail, which is a paid service, but it's very good in terms of its privacy. And then I also use Kagi, which is K-A-G-I instead of Google search. So I have a search engine that I use on my laptop, on my phone. That's not Google. In fact, I think Kagi is better than Google, but it's definitely something that I pay for. Um, and this is completely separate from my newsletter, but 
Kagi just announced unlimited searches for $10 a month, which is a great deal. If you do a year, you get a discount on that. And if you are in a place where you can afford it, I actually like Kagi results better than Google. It's not even a matter of comparing the two. Kagi, I think, is even just better. So if you care about privacy and you have the means, I highly recommend checking Kagi. Uh, but back to privacy. There was a story this past month that kind of blew my mind in terms of privacy violations. And it's from a category I never even thought would be a category where this would happen. And that is car Car manufacturers are some of the worst offenders when it comes to privacy violations. And Mozilla did this whole in-depth like expose, basically, digging into all these different cars and all of their different privacy violations. And the one that really caught my eye that I highlighted in this newsletter here is Nissan. So the car manufacturer, Nissan, um, one of my first cars was a Nissan Maxima. So I'm very familiar with this car, but all car cars are smart now. And so if you go to the Nissan, Nissan's official privacy policy, which I link in my newsletter, it's literally on Nissan.com. They share in plain English, they don't even try to hide it, all of the information that they're collecting on everybody. And I'm just going to read off some of these to you because they're so crazy. So some of this stuff uh, is data that they collect, or it could be data that they infer, uh, but they reserve the right to kind of both hold and also, also sell this data on you. So in their privacy policy, there is driver's license number, state or national identification number, citizenship status, immigration status, race, national origin, religious or philosophical beliefs, sexual orientation, sexual activity somehow, uh, precise geolocation, health diagnosis data, and genetic information. Yeah, so if you have a Nissan, it is possible that Nissan has this data about what either they have been able to learn or have inferred about you just sitting there in their data. So kind of a wild story. Hopefully that shining the lights on this will result in some changes because I named Nissan. I think Nissan was the second worst offender in the ranking that Mozilla did. But definitely if you own a car, check out and see what the privacy policy says that it has about you because I had no idea that it was so creepy. Uh, and I'm wondering when there will be a privacy-focused car alternative to all of those like really bad offenders in the space. One of my favorite podcasters is back with a brand new podcast called Search Engine. Uh, the most recent episode is really interesting. It kind of dives into the economic economics of streaming in terms of spe specifically focusing on streaming numbers and why Netflix and other companies hide that data when it has historically been available, like Nielsen numbers and, and that sort of stuff. And so... It's an interesting story about power and greed, and it has one of the characters from Stranger Things in it, and just overall, really high-quality podcasts. But I'd expect nothing less, because this is a podcast by PJ Vote, And you might recognize PJ Vote, uh, the name at least, because he has a long history in podcasting. So first, he started on NPR. He was on a show called TLDR, which was co-hosted by Alex Goldman, which really interesting show about the internet. 
And then they very publicly left NPR and joined Alex Blumberg's then new Gimlet Media. And they launched Reply All. And I think Reply All is really where they blew up. And the two of them, PJ Vote and Alex Goldman, helmed this podcast for a really long time, creating some really, really entertaining educational content. Uh, there was a little bit of drama with unions and union busting and, and stuff like that, which is why PJ Vote left that show. And he was quiet for a bit. Uh, and I say quiet, but he was very active online still in terms of Twitter. And he also uh, did some limited series podcast, but now he's officially back uh, and in true form creating content like the high quality stuff that you would expect from both NPR and Gimlet Media and doing it on his own. And so super excited to have him here. I listened to a few episodes this month and it's just, it's good to have him back. I like listening to him all the time. And so I figure if any of these podcast shows sound familiar to you or that sounds interesting to you, highly recommend checking out Search Engine, which is new and and. I mean, I guess it's not that new. So there's plenty of content to jump into and check out, but it, it's still fairly new. So check it out. It's always amazing to me how much news attention Apple gets when they release new iPhones. It's it pretty much the Super Bowl of online tech world stuff, which is wild because Apple is just one company. They create one phone and all the other different electronics manufacturers want to try to emulate it, do their own version, but nobody can even come close just in terms of global awareness of when it is happening, of what's happening, of the rumors. And it's crazy because people don't buy a phone every year, but yet everybody's tuning in to watch their announcements. And I'm mentioning this because, of course, September is when Apple always releases uh, their new iPhone model. But I think I'm bringing it up because more interesting than the new iPhones, I think, is iOS. So iOS is the software that runs on the iPhone. And I think iOS 17, which is the new one that just came out this month, is one of the more exciting updates in past years, I would say. And so I've linked to a really entertaining video by Joanna Stern. She is with the Wall Street Journal and makes really great tech content, really accessible and entertaining and smart. And so she does the 10 best new features from new iOS 7. You should definitely check that out. Some of mine that I'm most excited for is standby mode. So basically you plug it in and put it sideways like on a nightstand and it turns into a clock, which is such a good feature. Contact posters. So when you're calling somebody, it shows whatever picture you design. I think that's really cool. They've also improved autocorrect. There's a new thing called personal voice, which is where you can train it on your voice and then you can just type words and it'll say things in your voice. Also custom stickers I've been having a lot of fun with. And then there's this new check-in feature where if you're going somewhere and you want to let somebody else know that you're safe, you can do that natively in iOS. So there's a bunch of other features. Those are some of my favorites, but if you're an iPhone user and you haven't upgraded yet, definitely recommend it because it doesn't feel too different, but you get a bunch of new features that I know I'm going to be using uh, a bunch now. And lastly, I have two television recommendations and I don't feel bad making these recommendations. The reason I don't feel bad is because both of these shows are now done. They're also comedies 
and they are 30 minutes long and they have a manageable number of episodes in each series. I feel so often somebody will say, oh, you should watch this show and it is a drama and there are six seasons and growing and each episode is an hour long and there's like 15 episodes in a season and it's just too much content. You kind of look at that and you're like, I'm, I'm never going to catch up. It's too late for me. I, I'm just not going to do it. And so with these two shows, there are comedies, 30 minutes. There's either six or eight episodes in each season. Don't feel bad recommending them at all because they're very bingeable and you should definitely watch them. And both of them just ended. Ended as in series finale ended this year slash month. And so the first one is How To with John Wilson, which I've talked about on this podcast slash newsletter before. John Wilson films candid video around New York City and performs voiceover telling a story and explaining how to do things. And it is very, very delightful. And there are three seasons and there are six episodes each. And each episode is 30 minutes and you should definitely check it out. And the other show is Barry, also HBO. Barry is a bit of a darker comedy, but a comedy nonetheless. There are four seasons that just ended. Each season is eight episodes each. So again, very manageable. And some of the best writing that I've seen. Uh, not the best, but some of the best. And the ending, the series finale, was spectacular. It reminded me a lot of Breaking Bad. And the thing that I thought was, wow, these writers really know how to land a plane. So two shows, How To with John Wilson and Barry, definitely worth checking out if you're looking for some light TV watching that isn't overwhelming. And that brings us to the end of September's newsletter. If you're still listening, thanks so much for sticking around. And if you are still listening, you'll probably also want a Dan Chronicles t-shirt. I bet that's the case. So if it is, check out the website. It is danberg, D-A-N-N-B-E-R-G dot substack dot com. Check the September edition for a link to the t-shirt or go to my website, D-A-N-N-B dot org. And I'll also, ha also have it listed there. And with all that said, thanks so much for listening slash reading, and I will see you next month.